How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to this edition of the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman, and uh, this particular episode of uh, the show is a very focused edition, and uh, it is going to talk about uh, the topic of the day, so to speak, which is, of course, the Corona COVID-19 pandemic that the world, the world is experiencing. And I want to emphasize that it's the world's experience that the enterprise, if I could use that phrase, is the world. It's everybody that's there. And uh, from what I can tell of my years on earth, there's just an incredible amount of madness out there. And it's due to a lot of reasons. And one of them, of course, is the uncomfortableness that everyone feels. Yes, me too. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm uh Uh, unhappy with what's going on. I can see what's happening Uh, from a business perspective. uh, Being a, you know, relatively small organization, we are being uh, affected dramatically, like lots of you listening. Uh, It's out there, big and small companies, uh, self-employed, large organizations. Um, it's, It's going to affect us all. And I think it's time to sit back for a moment and realize this is not the first time, and it is not going to be the last time. And what we have to do is to get beyond the rhetoric, the hype, the political uh, situations that are out there, and do something that we really need, which is think, not act, think. This is what's missing. And so what we're going to do here Uh, Some of you know that we practice business and enterprise architecture. Uh, We are going to talk about this through those eyes. So this edition of the 2020s Enterprise, we're going to be looking at the pandemic through the eyes of architecture because a robust architecture methodology is a tool. It is a tool that we can use to analyze things that are complex It's not about building IT systems. That's IT architecture. We're talking about analyzing enterprises, and the enterprise that you and I are talking about is the world. We are all being affected with it, and we're all like employees of the world. Whether you're a president, a vice president, a person on the front line or wherever you are, a person horribly sick um, in one of the institutions that are out there today, we are part of an enterprise. And we need to sit back and analyze this rather than doing things that are half-baked at best. This is a very complex situation, and it's the beginning of a new era that's out there. Now, some of you may say, but but wait a minute. Hey, Sam, you're not a medical professional. Why should I listen to this episode, or why should I listen to you? I'm not a medical professional. But I believe that we are a pretty solid, pretty solid group that knows how to analyze complex things. And we've had the privilege of working with organizations, large and small, around the world. And so we're going to bring these thoughts to you 
about how to look at this a little bit differently. And at the end of our hour together, there will be a call to action. And I hope that you will bear with me throughout the hour. We have got to do something. And I don't believe the things happening now are addressing what we need to address. I'm, yes, I know I'm one voice out there. I understand that. But one voice can possibly make a difference, you know, as we uh, move uh, forward here. And we're going to talk about thoughts and representations that we suggest will assist the medical community. Yes, the political community. There are community out there, whether we like it or not, excuse me for chuckling. The citizenry, you and I, the general public, in the way to go about addressing this horrible situation that's there. We are going to apply out of the medical box thinking <laughs> in this to this crisis situation. So let us take a brief time out from the media-driven hype and hysteria-focused analysis. Media-driven hype and hysteria-focused analysis, whether on television or on the internet, and see if we can provide an additional frame of reference for those professionals diligently working to help us through this crisis. And they're probably not on television. After all, the enterprise that we're analyzing is the largest and most complex in existence. It is us. Worldwide, it is us. The other reason for this show is my emotions got set off a little bit a few days ago when I say emotions. I I tend not to be emotional, but I looked at this thing and I said, there's some crazy stuff going on. And it started off by listening to the politicians in New York. We are not in New York. We have family in New York. But somebody there decided to put organizations, companies, businesses in two categories, essential and non-essential. And one of the organizations, one of the stores, one of the, the process, one of the activities that was considered to be essential in New York was liquor stores. Give me a break. Who is making these decisions? This is lunacy. And people thought it was funny. It is not funny. People are making these decisions, choosing winners and losers. And how can anyone look at you and I and say, yes, of all the various types of stores that are out there, the, all the institutions, liquor stores, those are essential to our population. Come on. Let's think about this for a moment. That started, unfortunately, a situation where I said, you know what? I can't sit still anymore. This is just insanity. People elect these folks to run our lives, essentially, in Congress and, 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 and things like that. And this is what they do to make decisions? Well, guess what? Emotional, political, and knee-jerk responses are a result of no contingency planning. I know I'm going to sound commercial, but that's what we try to avoid is build plans that try to reduce or minimize as close to zero as possible crisis situations. And within that, 
there's one element that seems to be lacking, which is called event understanding. In our terminology, it is event modeling. It's things that could possibly happen that you think about and put together an approach and you sort of put it into a warehouse, so to speak, of things that may occur in your life or may occur in an organization's life or may occur in society, but you think about these things when things are relaxed, logical, smart thinking, put together an action plan, put it away, and pull it out when you need it. There's various names to that. But what we need to look at in our terminology, we call it event modeling. And that means thinking. So I'm going to give you a, uh, an example that is very, very, very uncomfortable when I say this. All of us remember 9-11-2001. Now, if you look at, at what happened there through the eyes of uh, event activities, what happened there, of course, is a, a, a single-aisle airplane, a serious commercial airplane, impacted those buildings. And believe it or not, through a series of risk analysis activities by a lot of people prior to the building being built and afterwards, one of the events that was represented was an impact by an airplane into one of those buildings because the Twin Towers in New York were surrounded by a bunch of of, uh, airports. And the concept of an airplane, unfortunately, having a freak accident in one of those buildings was something that was looked at. That was one type of event. Unfortunately, those event representations weren't looked at uh, enough. In other words, how about this event, which is different? A midsize airliner impact the building in, in buildings, not perf- not purposely in a standpoint of a position of horizontal. But how about at a 45-degree angle? There's a whole structural difference when the airliner, of course, hit the building at a 45-degree angle. In other words, multiple floors were uh, affected. Let's go even further. A slightly different event, unfortunately, is what we saw, which was the the airliner hitting the building at a 45-degree angle, plus or minus, of course, a few degrees. I'm not trying to be that precise. And then full of fuel, and you had a fireball. And of course, what happened after that was physics came into uh, into play because of the types of building and the way it was constructed. And after about five or six floors of the infrastructure, the metal infrastructure, the steel and things like that holding the building up uh, were essentially melted. The rest, unfortunately, was history. These are different events. Now, if we sit for a moment right now without emotions, and not thinking about that horrible situation, of course, we can sit through rational people and build a series of representations that we can all use to figure out these types of things that may happen. And again, we call it event modeling. Now, we have to recognize that all politicians should be required to own a business, large or small, before they run for office. Government has no money. It distributes our money, your money and my money through taxes, 
whatever you want to call it, there's good phrases and bad phrases that go along with it. There is no such thing as government money. It doesn't exist. It's out there. A little business 101 is required by these politicians, coupled with a bit of compassion, of course, and this would really help. Handing out dollar bills isn't compassion. That doesn't change anything in the long term. It builds a dependency class. I'm not saying we don't need something like this. That's not compassion. That's nastiness. That's dependency building. Compassion means taking an individual and moving from the state that they're in now to a better state for them and everyone else that's out there. And I just looked back, by the way, at, at the house, at our house, to see if the two trees that we planted, a grapefruit tree and an orange tree, suddenly was growing $1,000 bills. I mean, that'd be really great, wouldn't it? Well, is that what we're doing? We're just going out there and doing this. You know, I didn't see it. And I know what the problem is. I'm not using Washington, D.C. fertilizer. And you can use any word that you want. They're using Washington, D.C. fertilizer. There must be a shortage where we live that's there. This is a tough one. This is a real tough one. The situation that you and I, I'm going to say again, you and I are in. It's a tough one. It's really the first worldwide crises where, excuse me for using these terms, Instabrag and Faceless Book are the primary news sources. This is lunacy, and it continues to be. We need solid information. The whole objective is whipping up hysteria, and they're doing a great job at it. These people are laughing at it. I'm just picking out two of the ways that you and I get, in quotes, information that's out there. These people understand the public much better than most people because they're the ones getting the attention that's out there. It's all about trending as the measure of truth versus logic in these sites. Whatever is trending, whatever is popular. We had thought that 9-11 would have taught us a lesson to think. But this country, unfortunately, bless our hearts, we forget quickly. Sometimes forgetting is good. Sometimes forgetting is really, really bad. I am just frustrated that my tax money and your tax money is going to be to distribute essentials, liquor, rather than flour, eggs, and toilet paper. Yep, that's what's going to happen. Compassion is providing these staples not a check or cash. That's not going to do it. My friend, John Zachman, I think you know who he is, and his wife, Constance, I remember one day when they were walking down the street and we were walking together in California when we were allowed to be closer together. I'm trying to bring a little humor into this also. And Constance carries in her purse Burger King and McDonald meal coupons to hand out to the needy. They are a very compassionate people. And she stopped being surprised when the majority, yes, unfortunately, the majority of people rejected her offer for meal coupons. And it wasn't because they were on keto or vegan diets. They wanted the cash. 
I'm sorry. That's the way things are. Not everybody in that is in that same bucket. Please don't start yelling at me. <laughs> but we have to realize that there is some things that we can do. And the bottom line right now, and I think I have the numbers right, is that the average American family has less than $700 in savings and no personal family network for assistance or help. That's what's going on. This is not the first crisis. This is not the last crisis. And we've got to do something about this for a longer term. We also have to recognize that this coronavirus was first discovered in the late 1960s. You hear what I said? 1960s. The earliest ones were infectious bronchitis virus. Other members of this family have been identified, including SARS, that was COV 2003, HCOV-NL63 in 2004, HKU1 in 2005, MERS COV 2012, and of course, most recently, the version that we have. This is nothing new, but the sensational news media is doing what it's doing well, sensationalizing. The leaders in quotes of this country are just PPing it. Okay, get your mind out of the gutter. You don't know what PP stands for. It stands for political posturing. Scary lack of leadership on many accounts. And we'll continue this dialogue after a quick break. Thanks for listening so far. Please stay tuned. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Based on over 30 years of real-world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal-aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, 
a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. This uh, is Sam Holzman, and today we're talking about the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic and trying to bring some method to some of the madness that we're seeing out there. And as this broadcast is going on, uh, Congress is looking at a $2 trillion, as they call it, rescue bill. I'm not going to put an editorial on those phrases. I've got some other names that I can. $2 trillion. And as I was sitting back and looking at this, uh, the, the question I asked myself was, well, how are we going to pay for this? Well... I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. The answer is simple. Sam, you just don't get it. Here's what we're going to do. And if you don't believe me, look this up. A representative from Michigan said, all we got to do is make two coins, platinum coins, each one to provide an understanding of what we need. Two coins, one each, and label them $1 trillion and hand them to the Fed. We're all set. What's the problem? If you think I'm joking, take a look. So that's all you and I have to do. Forget about working. Forget about getting an education. Just go out there and start printing some coins. That's all you got to do. How could anyone in their right mind, suggest this as an approach to this horrible situation. Yet it's happening in the legislature, in Congress, and people are listening. This is going on right now. So we've got this number out there. And some people in the White House, unfortunately, are also saying, let me quote here, ladies and gentlemen, we're done. We've got a deal. (laughs) We're not done. (laughs) By the way, as as to the airing of this particular program right now, at the time that we're making this broadcast, the deal isn't done. There's still some arguing out there. Now, to give you an idea, the package would give one-time payments, one-time payments of $1,200 per adult and $500 per child directly to you and I. Okay? The ink isn't dry yet. This thing hasn't happened yet. And let me give you another understanding of what's going on out there. I'm not going to give you this website because I don't want anybody to go there. 
But there is a website out there right now that is collecting signatures to say, forget these guys. We are going to petition Congress to give everybody $2,000 a month until whatever they declare the crisis over is. This petition has been out there for less than a week, I think five days, and there's already, are you sitting down, 800,000 signatures. Why not? Because all you got to do is, you know, print some more coins, just, you know, mint some coins. That's all you got to do. And by the way, there's a loophole that allows that to happen. So this person that suggested it found the loophole, but forget about finding the loophole. This is serious? This is what we're going to do? Anybody remember Hans Brinker? Who's Hans Brinker? The little Dutch boy who saved his country by putting his finger in the leaking dike. That's who that is. That's what this thing is. And you know what happens? The little boy gets tired of holding their finger in there, you know, and so they take out their finger and guess what happens? Ah, oh, we just need another two trillion or four trillion, six trillion, whatever the thing is that's out there. My apologies for being this direct with you, but I think it's time for some straight talk. And I don't know who's doing it. So as I said, I decided to give you some ideas here. And yes, there's some emotion in my voice, my apologies, because this is lunacy. It's out there. The other thing that we're hearing, and this isn't on TV and on the web very much. You can find it. These are serious sources like the Wall Street Journal. This is not some obscure magazine that's out there titled Coronavirus Outbreaks Could Become Seasonal Woe, some researchers suggest, meaning that this isn't a one-time activity. Now, I already told you how long this thing has been around. And this is going to get a little worse in a moment when I give you another article to get you thinking about this one-time approach to getting things uh, addressed here. Several scientists suggest the spread of COVID-19 could ease in summer only to return when cool, dry weather returns to the northern hemisphere. And then we go out and mint some more coins for another few trillion, gazillion, bazillion dollars that, you know, that are out there. What the heck are people thinking? Just today, by the way, we have another virus. It's called the Hantavirus, H-A-N-T-A-V-I-R-U-S. Kills man in China, 32 others tested. A man in China who died on Monday reportedly tested positive for the hantavirus, leading officials to test an additional 32 people who have traveled with him on a bus. The rat-borne illness, which U.S. health officials say cannot be transmitted from person to person, is transmitted to patients when they breathe in air contaminated with the virus through rodent droppings. It's possible to contract the virus through a bite from an infected rodent, or if people touching something have been contaminated with a rodent urine dropping or saliva and then touch their own nose or mouth, or it's possible to contract the virus by eating food contaminated by an infected rodent's droppings, urine, or saliva. Okay, stay tuned. Here it comes again. Why is this happening? It's happening because, sounds trite, we are in a global environment now. This isn't something that's been around for very long. We had 
I'll use the phrase natural borders, whether it was the oceans or things like that. And it took a long time to get from place to place. Now, which is wonderful, we can go from one place to the other very, very quickly. And there are people around the world that want to travel. It's one of the things about middle class that is wonderful and above. And unfortunately for some people, it's more difficult financially. But you can go from place to place. And you know what happens when you go from place to place? You can carry things with you, not intentionally. And by the way, there's also rumors out there that this is some mad biological experiment gone wrong. But you can travel, and people can travel. And that's why they're talking about essentially this, as I call it, sequestering in place, where you're trying to physically separate as the best approach that you and I have right now and as carefully as possible. And yes, we're doing things that I would have never thought about. The mail person delivers some mail. We take out the Clorox wipes and wipes it down. And then I say to myself, what about the stuff that's in the envelope? We go to the grocery store and wipe down the cans and they come back again. Um, You know, because you're nervous and and we we are all nervous. But please remember that viruses will con- continue to be there and because we are in a global world it's going to con- things are going to be transmitted continually forget about the terrorism or the evil doers but naturally people will have you know will, will make this happen all of you well, I'm, well, I'm going to scare you you're carrying around dollar bills you're carrying, you got your wallets you got all these other things out there you know we all have these susceptibilities and so we have to recognize is that some things are a little different. Now, I also want to once again beat up some people out here, unfortunately, that are getting praise for building crises approaches. And one of them is called a crises playbook. And people are getting praised for this. No, those CEOs should be fired. They should have plans in place. Not a playbook and a crisis. This should be natural thing. Once again, I'm talking about the events that are out there. And maybe the crisis playbook has some of this. But that phrase itself is scary. This should be something that's done in the natural order of things. We should recognize this. And we do this in business. If a new competitor comes in the marketplace, how are we going to react? Those are events. Okay. If um, there's a a forest fire in California and it knocks out a bunch of electricity, what are we going to do? I got a great idea. We'll shut the electricity off. Are you kidding? That's the response. Notice how much we have that are causing you and I great pain because people are not planning. They don't have a series of understanding of the possibilities of the events that are out there and how to react to them. So we don't have crises. It's always crises management. Everybody wrings their hands and they have all these things. We got to rethink this. Please remember what I've said so far. This is not the first time and it's not going to be the last time it's going to happen. We don't need a crisis playbook. We need a logical approach to understand the types of events that may be damaging to us and put together essentially approaches to recognize those and put them in inventory. Put them in inventory, so to speak. And we'll get to some of those ideas in just a little bit. So with all due respect to the, and I really mean this, to the CEOs that have a a very difficult job right now, 
Please rethink this concept of a crisis playbook. Please, please rethink it. What you want to do is put together a series of understandings to avoid crises. It's a matter of managing. No, it's a matter of leading. That's what we want to do. We want to lead, not manage, but lead. And one of the ways we're going to lead is to get an understanding of what's going on. There are some fascinating studies going on right now in Taiwan. Taiwan, as far as I know from a standpoint of a a map, is sort of really close to China. I don't want anybody to suggest that I don't understand that Taiwan is very different than the United States. Yes, it's very, very different. And I know that we can't do everything that they're doing in Taiwan for a gazillion reasons. But here's an amazing thing. Taiwan's recorded 100 cases of COVID-19. Let me repeat that number. 100. Huh? (laughs) Okay. And, uh, hmm, that's interesting. They got ahead of the curve. How'd they get ahead of the curve? By sitting there putting a crisis plan together? No. Thinking about it ahead of time. Now, there's a lot, once again, I want people to recognize, I do recognize, there's a lot of things there that, politically and freedom-wise, we cannot do in the United States. Okay, I understand that. Okay, but what's our response to this? Here we go. After we stop at the liquor store, what's the next store we're going to stop at? The gun store to pick up some guns and ammunition. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. We are not good and don't have a good track record of learning from previous threats. We forget a lot. Now, we understand it's very difficult for the U.S. to duplicate Taiwan's containment containment strategy, but that's not because we are more inherently ornery than the Taiwanese. It's because we have a miserable record when it comes to learning from our own mistakes. That's what's out there. We forget. And by the way, forgetting sometimes, you know, is forgiving. People you know, get those words mixed up. No, forgetting is different than forgiving is different than forgetting. We can't forget these things, you know, that, you know, that are out there. And if you remember back to a President Reagan in 1986, one of his famous phrases is the attitude here is the nine most terrifying words. This is a direct quote in the English language are, quote, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Okay. Now, there's a reason for it. It's not because we hate government. I don't. But the government action we take that, that, that is taken is so politically oriented rather than leadership oriented that some of us get frustrated. And now we've got massive divisions between the X's and the Y's. By the way, you can call them whatever you want. Republicans and Democrats. It doesn't make any difference. Liberals, conservatives. It doesn't matter what you call them. But it's basically because every time something is done, there's a knee-jerk reaction, and what we get is undesirable. So it's not that we hate government. It's that the results we get are a problem. Let's just for a moment, before we take our next break, look at 3M for a moment. 3M, a company that's been around for quite some time, is able to increase the production of these N95 masks incredibly well. 
Well, what did they do over there? What did they do over there? Okay. Well, what they did was they had as a strategy excess unused capacity. That was a strategy because what they said was an event that they have to react to is a sudden increase in a product or two. Now, the only way you can do that is to have things for, from a manufacturing standpoint, yes, sitting idle. And most CEOs would say, we can't do that. We have to run on everything at 90% capacity that's out there. Anyone think about the uh, uh, new communications company that a lot of people are using, Zoom? Zoom hasn't had a blip. How come? Well, maybe it's because they're running their technology environment just a few weeks ago at 50% capacity on purpose, by design, by plan that's out there. And unlike many companies, 3M moved production that moved uh, low cost uh, production, excuse me, to low cost countries, they sourced materials near their customers. They make respirators in China. They make respirators in Korea. They make respirators, you know, in the United States. Unheard of in most strategies that are out there. Well, who's the smart one now? Okay. That's what we're trying to look at. They are thinking before they're doing. Great. Fantastic. Applause to them. And one other comment before we take a quick break, quick break, of course, is we are seeing the vaunted internet, the hidden connectivity around the world starting to fall apart. What? What do you mean? Well, we'll talk about that topic in just a moment. You're listening to the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman. And we're going to talk about a game plan moving forward in our next segment. See you back here in a few minutes. Is your organization in the Internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. 
Enterprise Architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, Visit EACOE.org. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to Sam at EACOE.org. That's Sam at EACOE.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to what I would consider to be a real focused episode of the 2020s Enterprise, and we're talking about applying some method to the madness that a lot of us see out here with the reaction that we have to the uh, horrible coronavirus pandemic that we are all experiencing. And before we get into some suggested approaches, a call to action, a call to action to our listeners and hopefully If these people that I'm going to be mentioning aren't listening, that some of you take this broadcast to them and ask them to really seriously look at approaching this thing just a little bit differently than what we're hearing continually on the Internet and on television. It is not a huge challenge. But before we do that, just some other things that you have got to recognize that are happening because we don't have enough planning. we got a lot of action going on. And so now let's just briefly talk about some of those things. We have the internet. Anybody heard about the internet? Yes. Anybody see what's happening in Europe? Guess what? Services have had to drop down the speed and the uh, uh, vibrancy of the network traffic because the internet can't handle it. So whether it's Netflix and whether it's um, Netflix or Amazon or uh, Disney or any of those, they have had to go to, this is not saying it's a sacrifice. I want people to recognize that. This is just a symptom. That's that's what we're going to do. Just, oh, we'll throttle it down. We won't worry about it. So they've had to go to one quarter of some of the 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 uh, the density that's there for those of you from there from 4K to 1024 to be able to carry the traffic that they're seeing in Europe. Well, this is just a symptom. This is just a symptom. It shows how brittle and fragile the environment is already, and we haven't even started really doing. I'll use the phrase remote work on top of using the entertainment that's out there. And so we have to start looking at these things for through the eyes of a different approach. So Facebook and Disney are reducing video quality access in Europe. Netflix is cutting European traffic by 25%, you know, that's out there. 
But you know who comes to the rescue? I hope it doesn't let anybody gets, no one gets offended when I talk about this. But you know who's coming to the rescue? Pornhub. Hey, you know, somebody's got to come to the table here. They're providing premium access to all to want to make you stay at home. I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. Uh, yes, it is a business, and I have I don't care about these things you know that are out there. But basically, you can now save a hundred bucks a year because they're going to give you a premium access to their premium content, and they're really good people. They're going to pay their what do they call the people that are on their I don't even know what to call it. Uh, uh, they're they're called models. Excuse me, the people that I guess model you know that's there. They're paying their models from all over the world. So when human crises happens, it's up to everyone to work together, and they're doing their part. Now, I just told you how fragile the Internet is. Um, what do you think is going to happen, with all due respect to those people who like to watch this stuff? You know, some things, I'm going to be trying to be funny here a little bit. Some things are participatory, and I think, there's other ways to participate than watching shows like this, but that's only my opinion, you know, that's there. On top of the Internet being fragile, we also still have to remember that there is a massive digital divide out there. Millions of people don't have access to any Internet. Yes, even here in the United States and within the United States, I believe the number is about 24, 25 million people, no access at all, while about 160 million people, on top of that number, lack reliable access. Now, I'm not talking about watching Pornhub. I'm talking about doing education, digital learning, those types of things. That's a huge number of people when you're looking at 300 plus million people in the U.S., Wait a minute. This is one of the most wealthy countries in the world. What the heck is happening here? You see all this coming together now? And that's why people call it a crisis. Well, once again, my call to action in just a few minutes is to sit back for a moment. And this is just a data point. This pandemic is a data point. It's time for us to marshal our resources and look at things a little differently. And we're going to come to that in just a moment. A little bit more fact here, which is very, very nerve-wracking. 83% of the healthcare systems out there, 83% are running on outdated software that is vulnerable to attack. 83%. Next set of articles I want to show you, excuse me, discuss with you just for a moment. Let me repeat that. 83% of healthcare systems run outdated software. Next article. CIOs, chief information officers, batten down hatches as recession looms, are cutting their technology budgets. Okay, put these two articles next to each other. 83% of the healthcare systems run outdated software, and CAOs are cutting their budgets. Is anybody paying attention out there? It's not just coronavirus. We have 
a real, real problem. And in the technology universe that is underpinning all of this stuff, now obviously there's great stuff that's happening. I'm talking to you through technology, which is wonderful. I love it. But wait a minute. This is just a symptom of what's going on here. And the symptom is construct, maintain, maintain, maintain. Construct, maintain, maintain, maintain. What we need to do, starting next Monday morning, so to speak, is architect, analyze, design, assemble. We have to flip this thing around. This is the opportunity to re-examine, to re-look at how we're using and building these critical resources in this country and others because another situation is going to happen. We're already starting to see that. And we can't remember that we have the evildoers out there waiting in the wings. There's groups of people that look at these upheavals, upheavals that are out there, and they're sitting there penetrating networks, quietly researching information that is financially or politically valuable to them, and they're building up their inventories. These are well-organized criminal organizations. They can be organizations or nation states, depending on who you believe or what you want to hear. Okay? They're getting lots more data because a lot more people are on the Internet. They already see the vulnerabilities. If you see Netflix and all these other organizations having to throttle things down, they're starting to learn about the environment. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to pay attention. This is a tipping point. That phrase I know has been used by others. We have a, let me use a different phrase, a paradigm shift. We can do something about this. Can some good come out of this? Yes. Can some good come out of this? We hope it can. And in a recent article that I read in the Wall Street Journal, just for reference, they interviewed a bunch of people about, well, what good can come out of this? And there were some fascinating things in here. Some were just incredibly disturbing. Because you know what happens. As soon as somebody asks, it goes right into the political sewer again. Here we go again. Rather than sitting back for a moment, okay, the most frequently expressed hope is that this crisis is going to jolt the country's political system out of its partisan paralysis. You know what? Not right now, it doesn't seem like it, okay? Whether this will happen, we'll see how that goes. But some of the quotes I want to, uh, out of this article, James Baker, former Secretary of State and Treasurer, okay, for several years now, I firmly believe that the political dysfunction in our country is the biggest challenge that confronts us. Yes, it is. And we're seeing all of this, this divisiveness, you know, that, you know, that's out there. It's not Republican and Democrat. It's there is no civil conver- con- uh, uh, conversations going on. And what's even worse is that every time something happens, every time somebody talks about something, it immediately turns into politics. And there's a lot more quotes that I can give you regarding this. An acquaintance of mine has coined this. What we need to do is to make sure that we have 2020 hindsight. We have to start looking at this situation right now, right now, to be able to collect the data to be able to have us address what is going on. So I'm making a call out to the following people. Mr. Jeff Bezos, Mr. Bill Gates. 
Mr. Warren Buffett, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, Mr. Larry Ellison, Mr. Larry Page, Mr. Sergey Grin, Brin, excuse me, forgive me, Mr. Michael Bloomberg, Mr. Steve Ballmer, Mr. Jim Walton, Ms. Alice Walton, Mr. Rob Walton, Mr. Charles Koch, Ms. Julia Koch and family, Ms. Mackenzie Bezos. I'm asking you, all of you, to take one one thousandth of your wealth, one one thousandth of your wealth, and invest that in a different approach to addressing the future of this country and the world. And I mean that. And the way this is going to happen is by marshalling that teeny tiny amount of money and the intelligence in each one of your organizations, either yourself or a designated individual, to come together to put a game plan together that has measurable goals. Improving the health of people is not a goal. That's a platitude. Measurable goals with roles and responsibilities and deliverables and produce out of there a series of initiatives with timelines to make this happen. The project would be put together in two elapsed weeks and from that a series of measurable initiatives would begin without intervention from politics or anything else out there. It's the group of 15 upstanding human beings that will help get this thing started and funded and anyone else that wants to come along will be great. Two weeks of putting together a game plan. That game plan is going to have measurable outcomes, measurable timing, and from that, a series of initiative to drive us forward and get us out of this crisis mode that we're seeing now and we'll see for quite some time. I hope someone is listening. I hope some people will take this on as a challenge. And please remember the timing I'm talking about. This is not something that needs to take a long time. The outcomes are going to take some time to put together. Thank you for listening. Very special program today. Very focused on this situation we're in. Stay well. Stay healthy. I look forward to speaking with you next time. This is Sam Holzman. You've been listening to 2020's Enterprise. Please stay well. <laughs>